yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Uh, Christians have a yesterday, a today, and a tomorrow, and this is because we have a Savior who is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Verse 8 in our text says as much. Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, Jesus always the same. And that gives me a great deal of confidence and assurance that he is uh, the all-sufficient Savior. He's always there for me. Whatever I need, he's always there. Yesterday, today, and forever. Well, in a very real sense, the Christian in his life has a yesterday and a today and a tomorrow. We'd like to look at these three phases of our salvation. That's another way of saying it. Uh, we've been saved from our past sins, and uh, that's yesterday, that's gone, like we talked about Christian baptism in our Sunday school class. When one comes to Christ, he believes on Christ, he confesses his sin, he's buried in that watery grave, and he's raised up to walk in newness of life. That's yesterday, that's dead and gone forever. No sin uh, before that will ever be held against him. Then we have a today when we're being saved from the power of sin. And in the kingdom, when the Lord comes, we'll be saved from the very presence of sin. Uh, the believer has a threefold uh, salvation. Yesterday is how we were without Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, uh, many passages speak of this. Perhaps this one does about as well as any. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. Paul is speaking to these heathen who come to know Christ, they're in Christ at the time of this writing, but he reminds them of their former condition. Ephesians 2 verse 12, that at that time, before they knew Christ, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, <clears throat> and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. Notice we were aliens. An alien is someone in the country who doesn't have any right to be there. See? Uh, that is our, that was our relationship before we knew Christ. We were without hope. Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and so on. That's about as black a picture as you can get. But it's a true picture of every person without Christ. Notice verse 1. And you had he quickened, I'm using the King James, your, yours probably says made alive, you had he quickened or made alive who were, past tense, dead in trespass and sin. We were in that condition, but not now. <clears throat> Scripture says that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, verse 8. Uh, Scripture says when we were without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. That's Romans 5 and verse 6. Then another passage in Colossians 1, verse 21, speaks of this very same theme. Colossians 1 and verse 21. And you that were, notice the past tense, Paul is writing to Christians now, he says you were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. We were alienated from God, but now God has alienated us. We were, God has now reconciled us. We were enemies, 
but now we are reconciled to God. Through the work of Christ, Christians are brought back in harmony and fellowship with God. Our condition yesterday is also seen in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 25. This epistle was written by one of the twelve, as you know, the Apostle Peter. Uh, like most of us, at least like me, he had a hard time getting on the right track. But uh, when he did get on the right track, he made a great worker in the early church. He wrote two of the New Testament epistles. I'm reading now from 1 Peter 2, verse 25. Peter says, For you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishops of your soul. We were as sheep going astray. But then Christ the good shepherd came and brought us into his fold. And he leads us into green pastures beside the still waters. But once we were as sheep without a shepherd. Now we have the good shepherd. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he saved believers from the penalty of sin, which is death or eternal death. Jesus the babe cast a line across history. We're all familiar with B.C. and A.D. That abbreviations, uh, are these abbreviations are well known to all of us. Before Christ and after Christ. Before his birth, the world lay in darkness. And then the light came. Jesus, the true light, who lights every man that comes into the world. John 1, uh, verse 9. You know, even atheists are forced to date their, later, their letters so many years after Christ. <laughs> When the atheist writes his letter, if he writes one today, he'll date it just like we do. He may say he doesn't believe in God, he doesn't believe in Christ, but he dates his letter uh, just like we do. You as a Christian have a B.C. in your life. That is before Christ came into your life. This is our yesterday. Okay, number two, today. We're being saved from the power of sin. We have a new standing before God. I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, and I'm reading from the New American Standard. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. Uh, to some people, the preaching of the cross is foolishness. Uh, they don't want anything to do with it. Well, that's their choice if that's what they want. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. We recognize that God has called us to the cross. He's cleansed us from sin and given us newness of life. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have come become new. That's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. That's a great verse. Take that one along home with you. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Well, how can we get out of yesterday into today? John 1, verse 12 says, But to as many as received him, received Christ, for all who have received Christ, to them gave he the privilege to become the children of God. 
even to those who believe, believe on his name. It's a very simple process, but one that many men, and women for that matter, have not learned. We get out of yesterday into today through belief on Christ. Now I want to look at the text that we read in Hebrews chapter 3 that Charles read a few minutes ago for us. And again, I'm reading from the New American Standard. Hebrews, the third chapter. I'm going to read verses 7 and 8. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, not tomorrow or next week or ten years from now, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me as in the day of trial in the wilderness. Uh, the writer is referring to the Israelites in the wilderness. God says they provoked me and their carcasses were strewn through the desert. Don't make their mistake. That's what he's saying. Today is the day of salvation. The Bible says as much. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today, not tomorrow, not 10 years from now, but today. Verse 13, this same passage says, But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And yet he is alluding to the Israelites in the wilderness who rebelled again and again against the leadership of God. Notice he says, don't make their mistake. Profit from their mistake. Encourage one another day after day. Uh, not condemn and judge one another, but encourage one another as long as it's called today. As long as we have the opportunity that is. Encourage one another. That's, a, what, we're, that's what we're supposed to be doing as members of the body. Fellow believers encouraging one another. Uh, sometimes you know that old cross gets heavy and sometimes we have deep water to cross. A little pat on the back, a little encouragement uh, will go a long ways and we all need that. We never outgrow that. Today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Today will not last forever. So now is the time to do what we want to do for the Lord. Yesterday is past. Uh, we can't return to that ever. Tomorrow is in the hands of God. We can't have that until it comes. Today, today you live. Make the most of it. Whatsoever thy hand finds to do, do it with thy might. For there's no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where thou goest. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10. Solomon said, whatever you do, do it now. After you close your eyes in death, it's too late. <laughs> Do it now. Colossians 3 verse 17 says, Whatsoever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. Colossians 3 17. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10 30 says, Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now think about that. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 30. Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Encourage one another as long as today lasts. Today is the tomorrow that you talked about yesterday. 
See, time has a way of moving on, and we have to move uh, with it. Now I want to return to Ephesians chapter 2 again for a moment. We read verse 12. Now I want to pick up with verse 13. That's Ephesians 2, verse 13. Verse 12 tells us our condition before we came to know Christ. We didn't have any hope and so on. Verse 13, but now, N-O-W, but now in Christ Jesus ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. We were far away, but now we are close to God. How come? By the blood of the cross. See, that makes the difference. Verse 14, for he, or Christ, is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Uh, making both one refers to the Jews and the Gentiles. In the Old Testament, only the Jews had a relationship with God, a redemptive relationship. Now, both Jew and Gentile uh, believers have come into this same body, and there's no difference. The ground is level at the old rugged cross uh, today. There's absolutely uh, no difference. Verse 14, he is our peace. He's made, uh, he's removed that partition between the Jew and Gentile. In the temple services, uh, there was a fence that partitioned off the Gentiles. They couldn't come into a community and fellowship with God. They had no access to God. But in Christ, that partition has been removed, and now both Jew and Gentile can come to God by faith the very same way. There's absolutely no difference as far as uh, coming to God uh, today is concerned. Then verses 19 and 20. Now, therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners. Once we were, but not now. But fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Notice, once we were strangers and foreigners, we had no relationship with God. Now that's changed by the cross. Now we have free access to God by the way of Calvary. Verse 21, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an inhabitation of God through the Spirit. There are three B's in the Bible that speak of our relationship with Christ. One is mentioned here, the building. The building. Christ is the foundation of the building. And we are stones in this temple. Now this is an illustration. Each member of the body is a stone, so to speak, in this building. And this building is a habitation of God through the Spirit. God dwells with his people. Then there is the bride. The church is referred to as the bride. Christ is the groom. And that speaks of the close relationship that Christ has with his church. There's no closer relationship in this world than Christian marriage. It's the closest relationship you can have. And that is used to illustrate the relationship that Christ has with the church. And then, of course, there's the body. The other B is the body. The church is the body of Christ. Christ is the head, and we're members of his body, of his bones, of his flesh. He has the same relationship to the church that your head has to the rest of your body. Your head directs it. Your head says, uh, I need to go downstairs, and your feet take you down there. The control is here in the head. Christ is the head of the body. 
The church is a temple, a habitation of God through the Spirit. This is the believer's position in Christ. We don't become Christians by doing something for God, but by believing that He has done something for us. It's a matter of faith. When is one ready to be baptized into Christ? When he establishes faith. When he's ready to turn away from sin and walk with Christ. Then he's ready to be baptized into Christ. Well, today Jesus serves as our advocate. We talked about this a couple of Sundays ago. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. 1 John 2, the first two uh, verses. Uh, the word is translated uh, advocate there is paraclete. It's also translated comforter. In John 16, Christ he was in the comforter, but it's the same word. Uh, Christ is our high priest, we talked about a couple of Sundays ago. He's passed into the heavens and is enthroned on God's right hand. He's our intercessor. Uh, he's able to save all who come to God, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. He's also our mediator. First Timothy 2 verse 5, there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Our part in today is witnessing for him, preaching and teaching, taking to the lost and dying the message of life. Life carries with it the desire to live. We don't know all that the future holds, but we know the one who holds the future. God knows all things. Known unto God are all of his works from the beginning of the world. Acts 15, verse 18. From time to time, he has revealed some of his future uh, through the prophets. Scripture says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secrets through his servants, the prophets. Amos 3, verse 7. You know, the real tragedy of our time is not that some have said that God is dead, but there seems to be so little evidence that God is alive in people today. You see, God is alive and well. He's active in the church. Have you ever wondered how people uh, spend their lives? Well, one set of statistics shows that the average American who lives 70 years will sleep 23 years, he'll work 19 years, he'll spend nine years for amusement or recreation, he'll spend six years eating, I think that's a little short for me, <laughs> six years traveling, two years dressing, he will be ill four years, he will devote one year to religion. That last note's pretty sour, don't you think? Just one note for our Christian faith. I suppose that's a, a typical American. Well, how do you spend your time? How much uh, do you do for the Lord? As I say, we can forget yesterday. We can't have tomorrow until it comes. Today is ours. We can do what we can today. Uh, Jesus said... I must work the works of him that sent me while it's day. The night comes when no man can work. We sang a song based on that. That's John 9 verse 4. 
one of our songs is based on that verse work for the night is coming when man's work is o'er it's true so I say as Solomon said whatever you do uh, do it now it's too late perhaps tomorrow and the Lord has promised to be with us in our text in chapter 3 uh, chapter 13 verse 5 uh, it says I will never leave thee nor forsake thee uh, Jesus said in the last verse of Matthew's gospel lo I'm with you always even to the end of the world or more correctly even to the end of the age even till the consummation of the age and then comes tomorrow and that's number three tomorrow in uh, God's tomorrow will be saved from the very presence of sin. Jesus will return to his blood-washed children from every age, from every land. And we're not to be too anxious about tomorrow from a material uh, standpoint. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, this is his Sermon on the Mount, as most of you know, I'm going to read the last two verses in Matthew chapter 6 from the New American Standard. The Lord who spoke, never like man spoke, said, But seek ye first his kingdom. Sometimes we sing a chorus, Seek ye, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God. But it's based on that. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Have you found that true? Each day has enough troubles of its own? Uh, don't try to carry a whole week's troubles around with you. It'll burden you down one day at a time. In fact, the Living Bible closes that chapter by saying, live one day at a time. And that's the only way to live. You can't have tomorrow till it comes. You can't go back to yesterday each day has enough troubles of its own. Live one day at a time. When we plan the future, we should also uh, do it with the understanding that we are willing to follow God's will. James said it well in chapter 4. James is the practical writer of the New Testament, as you know. In chapter 4, Verse 13, he says, don't make such great plans of how many great things you're going to do. We're going to do this, we're going to do that. And uh, he goes on in verse 14 and uh, verse 15 and says, uh, verse 14 it is, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. And isn't that true? We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. For what is your life is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. In comparison to God who is eternal, our lifespan of 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 years is like a vapor that appears and then disappears. Therefore, verse 15 he says, for that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this and that. In other words, take the Lord into your plans. It's not, I'm going to do all these great things. No, if the Lord will, we'll do this and that. Be sure the Lord is included in your planning. Uh, Solomon said, Boast not of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what tomorrow may bring forth. <laughs> and so it is. That's Proverbs 27, verse 1. Or think of the parable of the rich fool in Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. Remember the man that had such great crops, 
The Lord blessed him uh, richly. His land brought forth plentifully, it says. And the fellow says to himself, well, now what will I do? I have so much goods, I don't have room to put it. This is what I'll do. I'll pull down my barns, and I'll build bigger barns, and I'll store up more and more and more. Then I'll say to myself, eat, drink, be merry, take thine ease. Oh, think of all these good things you got. And God says, you fool. Tonight your life will be required of you. And then whose will these things be? And Jesus made a universal application of that parable saying, so is everyone who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. A parable of the rich fool. We don't want to make his mistake. Okay, be patient enough to live one day at a time as Jesus taught us. Letting yesterday go. Leaving tomorrow until it comes. Our real tomorrow will be when Jesus comes. In Titus chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. One of the little short epistles that Paul wrote to Titus. Uh, Titus was the pastor of the church on the island of Crete in the Mediterranean Sea. Among other things, and to us, Paul wrote, chapter 2, verse 13, looking for that blessed hope. I like that term. The coming of Christ is our blessed hope. Looking for that blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous of good deeds. We are a people for God's own possession. Isn't that great? Uh, God has redeemed us or bought us with the blood of his own son. We are God's possession. Well, there are several things certain about tomorrow. Christ will be there. The kingdom will be established. We will dwell with God and with Christ forever in the eternal city. And uh, the saints of all the ages will be gathered into that kingdom. In the th I won't turn to it, but in uh, Hebrews 13, verse 14, in our text, the writer says, here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Well, what city was he thinking of, you suppose? <laughs> well, the city of the great king, the city of Jerusalem, where the, the government, the headquarters of Jesus Christ will be centered in the city of Jerusalem. The city that John saw come down from God out of heaven. Revelation, 22, uh, Revelation 21, verse 1. John saw this holy city, the new Jerusalem, descending from God out of heaven. Now John didn't go up to heaven to see the city. No, the city came down from God out of heaven. Scripture says the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Revelation 11, verse 15. Chapter 5, verse 10 says that God has made us kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Uh, Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, someday that prayer is going to be answered 
and God's will will be done on this earth then as it is now being done in heaven. That's what we're praying for. I think many people repeat that prayer almost every Sunday and probably don't really stop to think what these words mean. But I say someday that prayer will be answered. And then in God's tomorrow, that is, God's will will be done on the earth as it's now uh, being done in heaven. At that time, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Numbers 14, verse 21, say that. Also, verse, uh, Habakkuk 2, verse 14 says the same thing. As truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Well, you know and I know that's not the way it is now. It's not that way today, but in God's tomorrow, it will be uh, that way. The prophet Daniel tells us that the kingdom of God will be established under the whole heaven. Daniel 7, verse 27. The kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. It will be under the whole heaven. That could be only one place on the earth. Uh, Jesus said to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, as I also overcame and am set down with my father on his throne. Now that's Revelation 3, verse 21. There are two thrones mentioned there. Christ overcame all things and was seated on God's right hand. Christ is not on his throne today. He's seated on the right hand of God's throne. When he comes again, he will sit on his throne in Jerusalem, the restored throne of David. That is his rightful throne. God has ordained that Jesus Christ, the descendant of Abraham, would inherit that throne and rule the earth in truth and righteousness forever. Jesus said when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Matthew 25 verse 31 and 2 Peter verse, uh, chapter 3 verse 13 says we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth. 2 Peter 3 verse 13 Okay, so we have a yesterday that's gone before we knew Christ. Today we live for Christ to being yielded and controlled by His Spirit. And tomorrow Christ will come in power and great glory. This is our tomorrow. This is God's tomorrow. And entrance into it will be worth whatever sacrifice that we have to make in this life. I'd like to read some of the words uh, about God's tomorrow, or this song, God's tomorrow is a day of gladness, and its joy shall never fade. No more weeping, no more sense of sadness, no more foes to make afraid. God's tomorrow is a day of greeting. We shall see the Savior's face, and our longing hearts await the meeting in that holy, happy place. God's tomorrow is a day of glory. We shall wear the crown of life. Seeing through countless years old love's old, old story, free forever from all strife. That's God's tomorrow. Let us stand, please. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful for the redemption that is ours in Christ Jesus. We are thankful that our yesterday of sin is past and we're walking with you today. Uh, we are glad that we can yield ourselves to your control and allow you to lead us down life's pathway. And Father, by faith, 
We look forward to your tomorrow, when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And Father, I just pray that each one of us here today and each one of our loved ones will find an abundant entrance to your great kingdom when Jesus comes. In his name we pray. Amen.